You're listening to Shore Street Presbyterian Church Podcasts. This podcast is part of our Moore 2019 conference. It's our Sunday evening worship gathering, where David Dunlop from Windsor Baptist asks us to consider the secret of Moore. Good evening, everyone. Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you want to know Jesus more? Do you want to know more of Jesus? Do you want to be more effective and more fruitful in your knowledge of Jesus? Uh, it is a real pleasure and privilege for, for me to be here, to take part in this very special weekend. I want to thank Alvin and, and Peter Martin for the invitation. I, I've known those guys and Jane and all for quite a while. And uh, I've been aware of some of the work and witness uh, of this church in Donegadee and beyond over many years. And I want to encourage you as a church for your faithful presence and your constant engagement with the people of this area and this community with the life-altering gospel of Jesus. I, I know you've had Malcolm Duncan with you for the past couple of days, and, and I've no doubt you've been inspired and you've been challenged and you've been fed and you've been fueled and you're raring to go. Uh, well, tonight, and, and if I'm really honest, following Malcolm Duncan <laughs> is like really intimidating. And whenever I said yes to come and speak, I did not know he was coming, okay? <laughs> uh, so whenever Alvin rang me up a couple of weeks ago and said, yeah, you're coming Sunday night, and, and Malcolm Duncan's going to, I mean, I've read his books, and, and, and so, yeah, I'm intimidated, okay? So I just need you to, to be patient with me, pray for me. But tonight, what I, what I want to do and what I want to look at is the secret of more. And, and to do that, I want to, and I want to invite you to turn to one of the less known books of the New Testament. It's a, a seldom cited book. It's not, a, not really a go-to letter for many Christians. And, and that letter is 2 Peter. And I'm going to read seven verses from the first chapter of 2 Peter. And, and it's these verses that kind of contain and reveal what someone has called, Mark Buchanan actually, what he has called the secret of more. And just speaking personally for a moment, these are seven verses, and this is a text that has become pretty significant to me over the past year, and, and kind of significant to us as a church where I serve at Windsor. And right up front, I'm gonna throw out a challenge. Uh, if you hear nothing else, here's a takeaway. That I, wanna, that I wanna throw out to you. I don't know if you practice the discipline of memorization. I, I don't know if you ever hide God's word in your heart. But I wanna suggest that you consider learning these seven verses off by heart this week. So that's one verse a day for the next week, okay? So as if you hear nothing else, there's my challenge to you. Memorize these seven verses over the next week. We're going to read them together. They're going to be on the screen if you don't have a copy of God's Word in front. And if it's okay, this is something we do at Windsor, but we stand for the public reading of God's Word. Is, is that okay? We do that? Yeah, let's stand together. This is God's transforming Word. I'm, I'm reading from the ESV. His, that's God's divine power, has given us every... Do you want to join me? He, Alvin wants to join in, so we're all going to join in. Great, let's all join in together. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Grab a seat. We have everything we need for life and godliness. We, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Is that not an incredible thought? That everything you and I require for life and for godliness, we have got. And we've got it in full. The whole kind of kit and caboodle. Nothing is missing. Not one thing, everything that's needed for Zoe life, everything that's needed for abundant, flourishing life, life to the full, we have. Everything we need for a godly life, everything we need for godly living, for devotion to God, for doing what pleases God, we have it right here, right now. How do you respond to that? Or let me ask you now, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Now, I know that this kind of challenges the idea that some of us think, do you know, I don't have what it takes to live this life. Or at least, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not as well resourced as others around me this evening. I'm somehow less able than the likes of Alvin or Jude or those up at the front, or those who've been leading us. I'm less equipped, I'm less gifted than that person and those people over there. Well, let me put it like this. Although you may not have what they have, according to this text, you have everything you need. Although you may not have what they have, from your perspective, you have everything you need, everything to live this life. And can I encourage you to just take a moment to allow that thought to filter from your head to your heart and back into your thinking. Pause for a moment's meditation and let that striking truth become absorbed, if you like, into your spiritual bloodstream. Personalize it. I have everything I need. And what's really important is that it's, it's not that any of us have it in and of ourselves. But according to Peter, God's divine power has given it to us. God's divine power has given us everything 
we need. Everything that we need for life and godliness has been supplied by our powerful God, which includes the Holy Spirit of power. Nothing has been held back from any of us. Nothing is hidden from anyone here. God has given us all we need for life and godliness, period. Period. But here's the thing. Or certainly here's one thing. It's it's not a catch. It's just a fact. There is, for want of a better word or phrase, some assembly required. Look at verse 5 with me. Because Peter says, for this very reason. So he's just said to his readers, he's just said to us, he's just said to all children of God, he said, listen, you have everything you need for life and for godliness. And he says a number of things about sharing in the divine nature, which is an incredible thought. We're not going to explore that. But then he says, for this very reason, because you have everything you need for this very reason, make every effort to add. And then what follows are seven virtues, seven qualities of character. And and here they are, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, or brotherly love, maybe in your version, and then love. Seven habits of highly effective Christians, as someone has called them. Seven qualities that will profoundly impact not only your life, but also the lives of those you live with you study with, you work with, you socialize with, you worship with, you reach out to. Seven qualities that we've got to add. And they're to be laid on something, and we'll get to that, but God's word says here, we're to make every effort. In other words, we're to spare no effort. We're to do all we can to add them. And then Peter says, see if you do, See if you do make every effort to add these seven qualities. See if these seven qualities are present. Not only are they present, but if they are increasing in your life, then then two things, two incredible things are going to happen. You're going to be effective. You're going to be productive or another. You're going to be fruitful in your knowledge of Jesus. You're going to be fruitful. You will know if these seven virtues are present and increasing in your life, you will know Jesus more. Peter actually puts it negatively in a sense to make the point. He says, listen, verse eight, for if these qualities are yours and if they are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you make every effort to add these and if they're increasing in your life, you will be effective. You will be fruitful and noisy. Here is the secret of more. Knowing you, Jesus, that we chorus, all I once held dear. Knowing you, Jesus, what's the next line? There is what? No greater thing. There isn't. And if you're here tonight and you want to know Jesus more, then here's the secret of more. Make every effort to add these seven qualities. But let me tease this out a wee bit further because does it not seem there's a bit of a clash some people, this might sound weird. I mean, Peter says, we have everything we need. And then he continues, for this very reason, 
make every effort to add. So the question, like, do we have everything or do we not? Peter, what are you saying? What are you getting at? Well, yes, we do need, we do have everything we need for life and godliness, but as I say, it requires some assembly. It requires the D word. It requires two D words, discipline and diligence. You see, just because it's all there doesn't guarantee you'll use it or put it to best use. Having all you need is not the same as making of it all you can or all you should. And the crucial word here is that little word for. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. But that tiny word implies huge responsibility actually on our part. Here's how someone has described it. I find it helpful, although I'm aware no illustration is perfect. No illustration is foolproof. But imagine you've been given everything you need for a house. You've got the land. You've got the plans and the permission, the equipment to clear and prepare the site, the tools, the materials. It's all there right down to the last galvanized screw, last strip of chimney flashing. The full inventory of supplies is right at hand. Everything you need for a house is available. It's there. It's present. Now, you must make every effort because you see, Without that, without your intentional input, wood weathers, roof trusses rot, nails rust, weeds grow, flourish, tools and machines oxidize, years pass and you're still living in a port of cabin. And the point is, unless you make every effort, unless you take what you've been given and you do something with it, you're going to build nothing. God has provided his divine power has given you the full invent. Every single thing you need, you have been given for life and for godliness. And so to quote Eugene Peterson's paraphrase or version of verse five here, he says, don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. And so the question I want to ask you tonight, and I, and I recognize this maybe not kind of an alternative word, the question I want to ask you tonight is how are you getting on? What is the effort level like? Make every effort. And as we dig a little bit further into this, I want to go back and I want to stick with this kind of house analogy because a house we know needs foundations. They've got to be in place otherwise any effort is a potential waste of time. And as I mentioned ago, those seven virtues that we are to make every effort to add, they are to be added to something. They are to be led on something. But what is the something that we are to lay and we're to add these seven virtues to? What is it that we have, to quote Peter, what is it that we have been given? Look at verse five. The thing you've been given is faith. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your Faith, and then Peter itemizes the add-ons. And he hardly takes a breath. Peter doesn't pause. It, it would seem he just assumes faith is in place. He just assumes that the foundation is laid. But we do need to pause because the question of faith is crucial. Otherwise, you see, there's every chance in the world that someone's going to start thinking or maybe continue thinking because you're, you're there already in your head that this is all sound, David, this is all sounding very works-orientated. This sounds very me-dependent. This reeks of moralism. 
legalism. This somehow smacks of working for my salvation as opposed to working out my salvation. This sounds like it's all down to us. And that would be dangerous if anybody thought that that's what I was trying to get across tonight. And so I need to emphasize and I need to publicize the importance of faith because without faith, it's impossible to do what? To please God. You see, whatever is done apart from faith, even good things done apart from faith are skewed. We can acquire, we can try to acquire every virtue, every character quality under the sun, but virtue bereft of faith wears out. It wears us out. Faith anchors virtue more than that. It releases virtue, it enlivens it, it sustains it, it directs it. Faithless virtue is short-lived and ultimately faithless virtue is futile. So what is faith then? What is faith that we've been given? Well, if you've got a Bible open in front of you, we kind of need to start at the start. I started at verse three. She just started at verse one. And here's how the second letter of Peter starts. Simon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ. To those who have received a faith that is as precious as ours. And so two things are clear. Faith's a gift and faith's a treasure. Do you know we have done and can do nothing to deserve it? Not one single person here, not Adam, not me, not you, not anybody has done a single thing to deserve faith. Faith's a divine gift. And as Paul tells the, the believers in Ephesus, he says, listen, it's, it's by grace you've been saved, but it's through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. So don't be boasting about it. It's not by works so that no one can boast. It's a gift. What do you do with a gift? You receive it, you treasure it. And here Peter makes it clear that this faith received is through not anything he's done, we have done, but through the righteousness of God. In other words, this is rooted in what God has done. This is anchored in God's saving righteousness. And what is, who is the source or what is the source of God's righteousness? In the verse, Peter says, it's Jesus. It's our savior, Jesus Christ, and so the gift of faith that we receive, it's a treasure that we value. And like Peter's original readers, I am aware and I know that I'm gonna guess the majority of people sitting in this church tonight have received that gift. And I hope you treasure it. But what it means is that you can now live a life that pleases God. You're able to do that. We're saved by faith. The foundation is in place. And so this is what we've now got to make every effort to add to. We kind of change the analogy a little bit. We've got to add to our faith, which is our root system, so that we will become productive, so that we'll be become fruitful. But what are we becoming fruitful in? What is our aim? What is it all about? It's all about knowing Jesus. Make every effort to add to your faith these things so that if they are present and if they are increasing in measure in your life, you will be kept from being ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge 
of Jesus. You see, faith has fruit to bear. Faith has virtues to display. And that is what so much of the New Testament teaches and emphasizes. And so Peter says here, listen, you've got everything you need. Everything you need for life and for godliness. And faith is in place. Now, make every effort. Make every effort to add. And so my question for you this evening is just simple. How are you doing? How are you doing? Notice here how Peter prays the end of verse two. You know, he prays that grace and peace would be theirs in abundance. He longs for God to multiply his grace in their lives. But you know, the priority of grace does not cancel out strenuous moral effort on our part. Grace precedes demand. And so we must make every effort. We must, let me, let me quote another translation, we must apply all diligence to this. You see, there is a view that says, let go and let God. And I, I kind of get what, what someone means by that. But you see, as I read scripture, and here is a prime example. As I read scripture, it seems that we have a critical part to play in our discipleship. There are certain demands. Effort is, requires, and, and this resonates with so much of the rest of the New Testament. Peter is not out of sync with the other gospel writers, the other letter writers. Paul says, listen, you've got this outfit that you've been given to wear, and it consists of items like compassion, humility, and kindness, and all these things. But then he says, you've got to clothe yourself with these things. Nobody's going to get you dressed. You've got to clothe yourself. You've got to put these things. It's a bit like the armor of God. Here is this protective kit that God has given to us so that we can survive and thrive in our Christian lives, but we've got to put it on. Daily put it on. That's our part. Grace precedes demand. We have got to make every effort not to work for our salvation, but to work it out. You see, if I was to let go and let God, whatever that actually means, if I, w- if I was to let go and let God and ditch the kind of two days, the discipline and the diligence, if I was to sit back and hit some kind of spiritual autopilot button and I hope for godliness, I'll be honest, I don't know where I'd be tonight. You see, a godly character doesn't just happen. We have a part to play. Kevin DeYoung writes, when it comes to growth and godliness, trusting does not put an end to trying. Now, just before we turn to exactly what we are to add, I do want to just pick up on this phrase here. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, because that little phrase is so important. Yes, these qualities take time to develop. None of them appear overnight. But the key thing is they should be increasing in my life. They must be increasing in my life. And if you've been a Christian for one month, one year, or 50 years, the challenge remains exactly the same, to make every effort to add and to see these qualities developing in your life in increasing measure. This never stops. We should never stop growing. This is a lifetime adventure. But do not forget the result. You will be kept from being ineffective and unproductive or unfruitful in your knowledge of Jesus. If these qualities 
are growing in increasing measure, you will know Jesus more. You will know more of Jesus. Okay, so seven faith add-ons. It's a whole sermon in each. There's your challenge, Alvin. But let me briefly comment on them. And as I do this, I kind of want to hold up God's word, word as what it describes itself as a mirror. And I kind of want you to look into the mirror and see your reflection. And as you, as you look at these kind of seven faith add-ons, these seven virtues, these seven qualities, these seven characteristics, I really want to encourage you tonight to ask yourself, am I increasing in these? Am I more godly tonight than I was this time last week, last year? More self-controlled? More loving? So the first one, goodness. And there's two aspects to this virtue. Do you know, this is about being good. This is about doing good. Back to verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. You see, God's good. God is good and we are to increasingly reflect this quality of his character in our lives. We are to be good. We're to make every effort to be good, but we must also do good. Why? Because we have been created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good work. Isn't that, what, isn't that what Paul says to the church at Ephesus? You have been created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works. Make every effort to add this quality to your faith. Be good. Do good. And then knowledge. What do you know? What do you know? Peter uses the word knowledge four times in those verses. But three of the times, it's not what you need to know, it's who you need to know. He says, we're to have knowledge of God. We're to have knowledge of Jesus our Lord. We have, not, we have to have knowledge of him, verse three. We have knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is personal. It's not about knowing something, it's about knowing someone. And not just knowing about them, but actually knowing them personally. You see, we need to be making every effort to add to our faith a growing knowledge of God got to get to know God better and better and better. Self-control, the elegance of restraint. Do you know it's that need to get a grip at times? To resist certain tendencies, inclinations, to close that tab on your browser, to hold back, to stop, to turn off, to walk away, to tame your desire before you're in too deep. It's to say no, it's to put the tight rein in your tongue before you say too much. Make every effort to add self-control. As I look back over the past week in my life, have there been times when I've made no effort at all when it comes to self-control? And it's about being alert. It's about being tuned in to the fact that if you don't add self-control, do you know what God's word says? See, if you don't add self-control, you're gonna become an easy target for the enemy. So Peter, in his first letter, as he draws it to a close, he says this, be self-controlled and alert your enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, if we do not make every effort to add self-control to our faith, then our defenses go down and we leave ourselves vulnerable to attack. And I'll be really honest with you this evening, I have lost count 
with a number of my friends who once walked with God and who have made choices to drop the guard, who have no longer exercised self-control and have walked away from their faith. Because you see, there is an enemy who's prowling around looking for people to devour. And often we become easy prey because we do not make every effort to add self-control to our faith. And then virtue number four, the middle one, perseverance. Do you ever feel like quitting? Do you ever feel like quitting a Christian life? Peter says don't. Stand firm. Hold your position. Don't back down. Don't step down. You see, the Christians that Peter was writing to here, the Christians in this time and in this culture were so tempted to just pack it in. They had faced ridicule. They faced abuse. They faced hardships. They faced setbacks. And why? Why did they face all of that? Because they were followers of Jesus. They suffered for their faith. And you know, all the suffering and the ridicule and the abuse would stop if they just did one thing. They just quit. And Peter urges him, please don't. Make every effort to add to your faith perseverance. And the irony is, Peter himself very nearly didn't. And so when the heat got turned up on one occasion, Peter denied Jesus. And Peter, not once but twice, went back to working on the boats, even though Jesus called him to a different line of work. You see, G Peter sailed incredibly close to quitting, but he didn't. And as he writes to Christians who face similar pressures and similar temptations, he tells them, listen, you've got to add perseverance, even though it's tough at times. And again, I'll be honest, I find it tough being a follower of Jesus in our time, in our culture, in our context. And I hear God say, David, persevere. Don't quit. And so if you're here tonight and you, you maybe feel like quitting, or you ever feel like quitting, get adding. Add to your faith, perseverance. Godliness or holiness, a deeply counter-cultural value in our increasingly liberal anything-goes context. What is this about? This is about becoming more like Jesus. Yeah, coming to faith is quick. It can happen in a moment, and I'm not about to downplay the miracle involved in conversion, but sanctification, that process of becoming godly, of becoming more like Jesus, that's not so quick. As many of us know, it can take a lifetime. But we need to make the effort. And I find it fascinating that when the Apostle Paul writes into this very same issue to his young protege, Timothy, he says this, Timothy, you need to train yourself to be godly. Physical training has some value, but godliness has value for all things. You see, to be physically fit, you're going to have to train you're going to have to be disciplined. It requires commitment and intention and time. And for Paul and clearly Peter as well, godliness is no different. You're going to have to work at it. It's going to require effort. Train yourself to be godly. Because without it, without discipline, without diligence, without perseverance, godliness is going to remain an elusive quality and virtue. Five, brotherly affection. Philadelphia love. It's the love you have for one another in this place. It's the love you have for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know something, it takes some effort at times to love other Christians. 
doesn't it? But Jesus makes it crystal clear that it's by our brotherly love, it's by our mutual affection for one another that people will know we belong to him. And if we ever want to be just clear on how important this is, that we make every effort to add this, please don't forget the Apostle John's sobering words. Anyone who says he loves God but doesn't love his brother is a liar. Strong. And I wonder sometimes as a watching world looks into our churches and looks into our communities of faith, is that what they see? Us making every effort to love one another well because it screams to a watching world. And finally, love. Not the Philadelphia brotherly mutual affection love. The love, the seventh virtue is agape. It's the unconditional love. It's the love that God loves. This is about adding, if you like, unprovoked love to your faith. It's to love others for no reason. It's to love others beyond reason. It's to love the least, the last, and the lost with no strings attached, no expectations involved. And again, you see, to love people like that, that doesn't come naturally. I need to make every effort to love so many others. So there's your seven faith add-ons. Seven virtues that will impact your church, your families, your communities, your workplace, your world. God's divine power has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. Nothing's been held back. And so my message to you tonight is this. Make every effort. Make every effort to add and to keep adding these Because if you do, you will be more effective, more fruitful in your knowledge of Jesus. Here is the secret of more. May you experience more of Jesus. Thanks for listening to another one of our podcasts. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening with us. Our morning services are at 9.45 and 11am. Our evening service starts at 6.30. You can find more information on our website at www.shorestreet.org.